Welcome to the Styano Plastic Surgery Podcast with plastic surgeon JJ Styano, the only plastic surgeon in the UK who owns a clinic specializing in breast and body contouring. Right, now this is exciting. This is a, a new, well, it's not new. I've always tried to do the photo thing, but uh, I've got it done. I've got it really slick for uh, regular viewers will know that I usually do this uh, very badly. So, tattoo, a couple of people. This is today, would you believe? Today, we've had a couple of people uh, inquire with these tattoos, and I said, or was it yesterday? Anyway, but anyway, I said, can we show their photos? They said yes. Um, so Instagram, it's a big, and Twitter, it's a big tattoo on a leg, big le leg tattoo on the shin. Do you know what? Oh God, sorry. Have I still got that thing scrolling on the screen? Do you know what? If you send me a photo of a tattoo, by the way, let's just get that even better. Mm, that's not that much better, is it? Oh no. Um, let's do that. Oh no. If you show me a, if you send me a photo of a tattoo, could you tell me what part of the body it is? Because I often get photos and I'm not sure what part of the body it is. And this is a this is a um, case in point. I, I think it, I'm, I'm going for shin. I think it's shin. It's a large piece of um, tissue. I think there's knee at the top, and I think it's narrowing down to ankle. So I'm going to say it's shin. We'll call it shin. If 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 it's your tattoo. Um, then, then let me know if it is actually your arm or some other part of your body, um, or back. I mean, that'd be embarrassing, wouldn't it? If it's your back, could it be back? No. Anyway, um, so the if you're listening on the podcast, by the way, I've just moved the podcast over, so I'm hoping it's still just seamless. Um, then um, there's a photo of this on Facebook on the Facebook Live. So yeah, it's a big one on the shin. So the two things you've got to look at when you're doing a tattoo is the size and the location. And this is too big. Uh, it's 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 on the shin, and the shin's got no spare skin at all. The shin's a, a bad area for scar, a bad area for healing, and it's got no spare skin at all. So this is too big to have to remove by excision. Excision can be a good option for some people. A lot of people having tattoo removal don't even know you can excise them. Um, it is it is a potential. They think, what? Oh, can you excise it? Yes, you can as long as there's enough laxity to, to close it. Uh, and so some tattoos are actually quite favorable for excision because it's out, it's gone in one go. You don't have the uh, multiple sessions you often use with need with laser. But I've got to be honest with you, I normally tell people laser is the first line. And most people who come to see me for tattoo removal have had uh, laser treatment already. Uh, and I think looking at this tattoo, there might have been some laser on it as already. And the problem with laser is it can be a little bit uncomfortable, can need multiple sessions, and it can just fade the tattoo rather than getting rid of it. So if it doesn't get rid of it, then excision might be an option. But unfortunately, this one is too big to uh, remove by excision. Um, there's another one, as I say, both came in. Uh, hide that, show that. Both came in. Um, uh, I don't think it's, no, it's not the same person. Um, both came in quite uh, soon after each other. This is a big tattoo on the leg. So I've got to describe it to uh, our other viewers. It's, it's on the it's on the foot. It's on the dorsum of the foot, on the top of the foot, and it's going up the dorsum of the foot, going up all, across the ankle, the anterior part of the ankle, front part of the ankle, and it goes up over 
the the, uh, the the what we call the lateral malleolus, the bit of bone that sticks out on the on your you know your ankle bone. So it goes up over the top of the ankle bone. So it's a fair sized tattoo, and uh, it's crossing over the ankle joint, and it's starting on the on the dorsum of the foot, the top of the foot. And I've got to be honest with you, um, this is a better this is better than the other one in terms of suitability for excision. But I'm still going to say it is not suitable for excision um, because it is too big for the area. If that was on the tummy then that would be a potential goer, although it would leave a big scar. But um, it's on the, the, the dorsum of the foot, and the dorsum of the foot is a really bad place to have a scar. There's constant trauma when you're putting your socks on um, or putting footwear on, and there's constant trauma. So you've got to worry about, about traumatizing that scar, and it's just a really bad place for a scar. Um, so unfortunately, that's not a good, uh, a good place to, to have a scar furthermore it's crossing the ankle joint it's going it's going crossing the ankle joint so the scar would cross the ankle joint and it's never a good idea to have a scar crossing a joint it's never a good idea scars will always contract over time and you want movement with a joint a joint needs to move and if you have a contracting scar which is tight then it doesn't mean it means that you might have problems moving your joint and moving your uh, ankle so it's not good to cross a joint with a scar and if we were crossing a joint with a scar we would try and cross it in the neutral line you know this on the sides rather than on the front of the of the joint and the problem with the tattoo you've got to make the scar where the tattoo is and the tattoo's going over the front of the scar so um so it's not it's uh, not so three three reasons one dorsum of the foot bad place for a scar two crossing the joint bad to have a scar crossing the joint and three for the area that it is there's not a huge amount of spare skin so it's not really that wide i guess uh but i don't think i'd be able to get that closed uh, i don't be, think i'd be able to stitch that up and get that closed uh, in one go i think it would be too tight uh it would leave a massive great long scar going over the front of the uh, uh, ankle so really sorry and you know what often it's often the case um that the um <laughs> the, the, the tattoo doesn't look too bad i don't think it looks too bad anyway uh and i know i get comments on my youtube videos when i've done tattoo removal people saying oh you ruined the tattoo and it looked so good before i'm like well i i, I you know the patient won't i tell everyone it's gonna leave a scar i don't make out as if i'm gonna get rid of it with no scar so uh it's, it's it's sometimes i think people are i think people assume they're always going to be names which obviously sometimes they are but they're not they're, they're probably more often than not it's not it's just a tattoo that people don't like for whatever reason but you've got to be careful because the scar could be worse than the than the tattoo so you've always got to be careful and you've always got to be aware of what's possible and i think in on balance both these tattoos or neither of these tattoos are suitable for excision uh i'm afraid to say um Oh, quite. I should have put that on there. There you go. Thank you. Tattoo from April Man. Actually, that's, that's going over the tattoo, isn't it? That's, that's no good, is it? Um, so, yeah, that's that's really good. I'm really, really uh, grateful to those, both those patients who allow me to show their tattoos um, here. And uh, I'm very sorry that I can't help to um, to move. I've got another photo of that one there. That's good, isn't it? Um, oh, I'm getting pushed out. I'm sorry I can't help uh, these patients with their uh, tattoos, but uh, by all means, if you've got a tattoo that you don't like and you want an opinion, send us a photo. Always the best thing. Send us a photo and I'll give you a view on it uh, and I'll say, look, it can or can't be removed. And um, whoops. Whoop. Ooh. 
Um, oh, that's better, isn't it? Uh, and if it can be removed, we'll give you an idea of how much it would cost to have it removed and how many surgeries it would it would involve, um, because sometimes it involves more than one. So, yeah, thank you for that. I'm going to hide those tattoos for now. Um, I've got this question right here. So what this question says is um, following BBR, that's bilateral breast reduction, for those who don't know. So, so, so following a breast reduction, will I need to take time off, in brackets, get additional help, close brackets, from caring for my paralyzed husband? So this is a good question. And it's a, it's a, um, a a twist or, or an angle on a, on a common question because commonly I get asked questions if, uh, about breast surgery on pa patients who are um, have children and so the question is a bit different if the reason that you're going to be needing to do something is going to change if that makes sense. So with children, I normally say, look, if your child's a bit older, it's probably better to do it when it's a bit older because your child will be a bit more manageable. So if you've just had a child, then what's that? Oh, is that my phone? If you've just had a child, then um, you might want to wait. But this, this is obviously, this is a looking after your paralyzed husband. So this is not something that's going to change. So if it's not something that's going to change, then so it, it's a bit like when someone has a medical condition you've got to think is that medical condition going to get better is there something we can do to optimize your condition and then there might be a reason for delaying surgery if there isn't then we just have to take on uh, you know discuss the risk and benefit as to whether you're going to have surgery whether it's right for you or or not and uh, a breast reduction is a big op and i can um, but the thing is a lot of people are very uh, much um, improved by it or they have a lot of the improvement in their symptoms particularly if you're caring for your husband and you're having to do a lot of lifting or what have you it can be quite difficult if uh, if you need a breast reduction because it, it uh, can be a lot easier when the sort of weight is off and the and that 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 that's off your chest that you can actually find you're a bit more a bit more mobile so I can understand why you would want to um, possibly uh, consider it but it is not going to be great doing too much in terms of um, um, lifting and uh, what have you in the immediate post-operative period after a, a breast reduction, which I think you know because you're saying, what are you saying? Will I need to take time off from caring for my husband? So the answer is yes, almost certainly yes. Now, I would ask, you know, what is the situation in terms of your husband? How much care do you need to give? How much should you do in terms of lifting and, 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 and moving? Um, and uh, what you what you would be doing, but you're almost certainly going to be putting some some power through your upper body, and that is where bad stuff happens when you're putting power through your upper body. So when you've had a breast reduction, I'd encourage you to move. Now it's good to move. You don't want to keep everything moving. You don't want to you don't want to have get stiff shoulders and stuff. So you should move. You should you know wash and shower and move and all that sort of thing. But when you start lifting, when you start lifting a heavy thing like moving furniture or moving boxes or helping you with your um, uh, uh, paralyzed husband, then it is a different kettle of fish and you are going to make it swell and you are going to put tension on the wounds. And worst case, you could have problems with the wound healing because a breast reduction, part of a breast reduction is a lift. So this always closed tightly. And so you could 
um, put tension on that that lip on that those wounds and you could uh, jeopardize the wound healing so it is not a good idea to do, lift and do too much worst case you could have problems with the wound healing um, and well best case I guess nothing but you know a bit less than worst case is you'll make it swell so um, and if you make it swell and the problem is and we get this sometimes people got to work and you obviously you know you've got to look after your husband if he, if he needs your help but what happens is if you try and do too much too soon then you make it swell and then it gets uncomfortable and then uh, it takes longer for it to settle so it's a false economy so what I would say to you is normally first couple of weeks, you really don't want to be doing anything in terms of um, caring for your husband. You'll be looking after yourself. Um, and if anything, you want to get someone to help you rather than you being helping someone. After a couple of weeks, you'll be doing stuff around the house, um, but nothing heavy, no lif lifting at all. Um, it's normally about four to six weeks before you start uh, doing any sort of power, power, putting any sort of power through your upper body in terms of lifting or what have you, or you know, equivalent, I guess, would be people doing the gym and what have you. So it's it's at least a month really before you start putting any power through your upper body, um, and even then, it's taking it easy. So I don't know, you know, it, it, lifting and things. I know that there's all all um, aids to help with that in terms of uh, hoists, um, but you still have to maneuver and, and, and uh, you have to be aware that you could still be putting tension on your wounds and making that, uh, um, making the, the breast swell. So I would say at least a month before you start doing anything um, in terms of when you could start moving your husband, crikey, six, eight weeks. And I, I think you're probably never going to be, well, you're not going to be putting full weight of him on, on you, but in terms of getting him into hoists and things like that i'd say it's probably six to eight weeks before you can start getting getting into an active phase of helping him um, because you really need to make sure you're right first and if you don't it's as i say a false economy and it can make it uh, swell and make it worse long term so yeah six to eight weeks on that one this is a good one. Not that the others haven't been good one, but this is a good one. Um, hi, Jonathan. Hope you're well. Looking forward to. That's good. Neve has asked a question on Instagram. Thank you, Neve. Um, I'll just do this one, Neve, and I'll do that one. Um, hi, hi, Jonathan. Hope you're well. Looking forward to tonight's live Q and A. Hmm? Look at that. That's the sort of thing we need. I've got to be honest. Is this not doing anything now? Because that's not working, is it? Shall I put that to the side? Does that work? Hello. I don't think it works, does it? Um, Hi, Jonathan. Hope you're well. Looking forward to tonight's live Q&A. As you know, due to COVID, my neck and facelift was postponed in August. It was postponed in August. What? Why is it postponed in August? Anyway, I'd appreciate your opinion on this, please. Would it be safe and what extra precautions would there be in place in all? I think I've copied and pasted that wrong, actually. In August. I would appreciate your opinion. Would it? Oh, God. I, th I think I think it's actually postponed to August, is it? I think I've doubled. <laughs> oh, right. Anyway, the, the the sentiment is. Here we go. As you know, 
right the sentiment is will it be safe to have the surgery in august i think the point but the surgery has been postponed to august it's not with me it's with another surgeon so it's um so the first thing i would say to you is that really you should talk to the surgeon to talk at local um measures that have been put in place and uh, talk to them about this specifically as to what you should do and what they should do it's something i've been working on personally and um so the rest of the team and nicola and uh vicky and uh sharon are back um uh tomorrow first of july we're back in the clinic we're all back in big day tomorrow got to get dressed and you know go to work i don't think we're seeing any patients but uh, uh anyway so we this is something we're working on at the moment so this so there's two parts to this question, I think. I think one is the what measures are being put in place to, to mitigate the risk. And then secondly is what is the risk? What's this on Instagram? What's that little thing there? Are you doing face to face? Oh, I've got a question. Type tap a response to share on screen and share it with your viewers. Oh, have that on Instagram. So the the measures that will be put in place will be local to you and there will but broadly speaking i think uh it's pretty widely accepted that in most hospital slash medical facilities face masks will be worn at all times by both the practitioner and the patient so you will probably be asked to wear a face mask and your doctors will be wearing a face mask will be maintaining or they i should say because it's not me but they will be maintaining social distancing um throughout there will be measures in terms of hand washing in terms of their cleaning policies with their equipment in terms of uh i say equipment also like furniture in the clinic uh, door handles toilets um you know we've got to be aware of all the areas where there could be some contact um and there will be um policies in place to uh, reduce any risk of transmission either way during the um, process um, and you know protective equipment for the surgeon um, or for the clinic appointment but also for the surgery surgery is, is a, a, a risk because it is what's known as an aerosol generating procedure so it's it's a risk for all concerned now um, in terms of the risk, uh, you you said should i be postponing it well there, as i say there's a we, we do everything we can to to uh, reduce the risk of transmission but the other thing to consider and this is why we're all we've all got specific consent forms that we're going to ask everybody to sign before having any surgery there'll be a specific consent form for covid um which will say broadly speaking we don't know so if you're having a general anesthetic if you're having a, a surgery you'll be tested uh, for covid um or for coronavirus i should say um and even if you test negative for coronavirus you may still have it you may um there's something like 75 to 80 percent i think is the sensitivity let me get it right um so the sensitivity and specificity of a test so specificity of a test i'm getting a bit technical now specificity means that if it says you're positive you're positive so it's a very specific test for co coronavirus so if it says you're positive you're almost certainly positive there's very few false positives it's very unlikely that it says you're positive and you're not but it's not quite so good on the false negatives it's a slightly higher risk of it being a false negative 
75 to 80% I think for most of the tests. So there is a risk that it could say that you are negative when you're actually positive. So there is that risk. Plus there's a risk that you could be negative, you could be genuinely negative when you have the test and you could get coronavirus either, either between the test and the procedure or in the immediately post-operative period. And there is some evidence to suggest that your outcome will be worse if you get coronavirus having recently had surgery. So this is where you would have to probably weigh up, do I want to have surgery? Because if I get the coronavirus, if I get COVID-19, which is the disease associated with the coronavirus, then in the post-operative period, um, and my outcome would could be worse. Um, so that is why you have to consider whether you'd want to have it done now. It goes back to what I was saying about the person who's looking after the paralyzed husband, because you've got to think, are you going to change the situation? So if you, you know, if there was something in the horizon that was going to make the situation change anytime soon, you might say, I'm going to wait till then. Um, there doesn't seem to be anything that's going to change that. The only thing that's going to change that, I think, would be the our knowledge of whether that is a thing or not, because the uh, evidence that it would that that statement is based on has been called into question and they have looked at the research and I think they need to do more research to see if that is actually a thing or not to see if the fact you've if you've recently had surgery doesn't matter what sort of surgery you've had and how big the surgery is as to how much it will affect your outcome if you were to develop COVID-19 post-operatively and it, there's you know possibly for minor procedure it doesn't it doesn't matter as much or maybe not even at all so we, we're not really we we that 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 will be one reason that you might want to postpone it so the one reason is the the transmission but then you could argue you could get that in the supermarket or you could get that in the shops so if you're going to the supermarket in the shops and you're starting to go out and about then you might say well actually you know i'm i'm you know arguably a lot of medical facilities will have better ppe and social distancing uh, measures in place than they will in in other uh, areas of society that we do put ourselves into so that would be one aspect that you might feel perhaps more comfortable with but the other would be the fact that if you were to develop COVID-19 in the immediate post-operative period then it may be that your outcome will be worse uh, if you had, had recently had surgery than if you hadn't recently had surgery so that might affect your decision so yes so it's a difficult question. Is it safe to have surgeries during COVID? That's the question. I mean, we wouldn't do it if we didn't think it was safe. Okay, we've stopped doing surgery for three months. March 22nd, was it? We stopped. So we stopped doing surgery for three months. We're starting doing minor surgery. Um, personally, I'm starting next month. I know some people have started already. Um, and then I don't know when the more uh, the, the bigger operations will be done. That'll probably be August. But even when we do do the bigger operations, we're going to have it on the smaller end of the bigger operations. So we're going to try and avoid doing surgery that takes more than three hours. So we're doing everything we can to mitigate the risk. But like anything in life, you cannot get rid of these risks. These risks are there. And so it's up to you to balance the risks versus the benefits. That's what it's all about, knowing the risks, balancing it with the benefits and um, making an informed decision. And it's a tricky one. I'm not MGL, I'm not going to lie, it's a tricky one. 
Uh, let's have a look at what's going on. Good evening. Eat a good breakfast. Thank you. Test. A bit like a pregnancy test. Yes. How's your set? Hello, Zane. Hi, Zane. I'm not sure if you're in the right. <laughs> not sure if you're in the right. Um, in the right Facebook Live, Zane. I think you might have clicked on the wrong one. Not sure if that's. This is the plastic surgery one. I don't know. I don't know which one you were after, but um, yeah. I've um, got some comments on Instagram. We'll move on. Um, Neve, when when is the clinic back open? I need to book in my follow up appointment next week. Neve, sixth of uh, July. Book it in. I'm gonna make a note. Contact Neve. Re follow up. The other thing, Neve, is I'm doing virtual follow ups um, already. Can I just put that? Why I tap on that? Oh, yeah, does that go on? That's a question that's popped up there. That's good, isn't it? Um, are you doing face-to-face -face consultation? Well, in the same question, really. Yes, yes, I am, Pinky Day, next week. But uh, so 6th of July, we're starting. But we are encouraging people to do virtual where you can. So um, um, if you are a new patient, we're encouraging you to do a virtual one first, just so we can have a chat. And then um, we can try and minimize what we do in the face to face. But we are starting face to faces next week and we are doing everything we can to uh, minimize the risks. It's all going to be a bit weird because we're going to be oops, we're going to be wearing face masks. You're going to be wearing face masks. Um, but it's it's what it is, isn't it? It is what it is. Um, uh, serious question. Even though it sounds funny before Barry surgery, I was bra, bra size 44 GG and now I'm 32 GG. I haven't lost much much from cup size and would I have to be reduced to have a boob lift? I lost 10 stone and my boobs are okay, but always wanted a lift after baby. Thank you for that. Um, so yeah, I mean double G bra, should I have a would I have to be reduced? No, you wouldn't have to be reduced if you're double G. But I would recommend you be reduced if you're double G. So you could just have a lift and stay double G if you wanted. Um, but if you have a lift and stay double G, your breaths are going to be heavy and they're going to be acted on by gravity. And there's a risk that they will droop again. Because what we do when we do the surgery is we restore you to a better place. We don't lock you in time. We haven't got anything magic that we can say, for goodness sake, she's just spent thousands of pounds on her breasts. For goodness sake, gravity, leave the breasts alone. You can do the face, you can do the thighs, you can do the you know rest of the body, but leave the face or leave the breasts alone. You know, your body will be acted on by gravity. And the bigger your breasts, the more they'll be acted on by gravity, the more they'll droop in the future. So I would probably be saying, do you think it might be worth doing a, re a reduction? can take some weight out of the lower part of the breast, take some heaviness out of the breast um, to make it more stable long-term result. But you'd have to be happy being smaller than a double G. But I would say that my recommendation would be to um, take um, a bit of volume out and have a bit of reduction um, is what I would recommend. So, yeah, that's what I would recommend anyway. Is it safe? Done that one. Right, this one. Uh, hi, I've had previous problems with a returning abscess under my right nipple. I had it removed two years ago and packed and not had it since, but I've been left with a hole in my nipple and it's a funny shape. They said it's a fistula. I believe these problems occur because my milk ducts get blocked. 
I've asked for these removing as I've got two little dots on my left nipple that keep filling up with a thick milk substance. I don't want it to happen on this side too. I'm really wanting an uplift and small implant and nipple reduction and correction. Is this something I could do or is it out of the question? I'm petrified of abscesses returning because of my previous. Would I be able to find a surgeon to remove my ducts at the same time? I've researched for years and I can't find any answers to this. That is a nice one. That's a good question. And what it comes down to, and this is confusing. I've, I've tried to answer this question in, by sort of typing it in, but it is a bit confusing. And I wear it's a bit confusing and I'll try and answer it verbally and hopefully make it less confusing. But who knows? We'll give it a go. So there's two types of surgeons that deal with the breast. There's breast surgeons and plastic surgeons. And really, the problems you're describing with your nipple and with the ducts and with the abscesses and with the fistula, you need to see a breast surgeon, not a plastic surgeon. I'm a plastic surgeon. I'm not a breast surgeon. I pretty much only do breast. So I do a, I do tummies and I do liposuction. I do, I do body as well, but I don't do any face. So you know, breast is my main work. But I, on paper, in terms of the surgical community, the surgical world, I'm not a breast surgeon. I'm a plastic surgeon. And the difference is that the breast surgeons then tend to deal with the gland, the, the gland of the breast and problems with the gland. So that means lumps and uh, breast cancers and breast pain, uh, problems with the duct if there's um, discharges and abscesses and um, they they deal with any problems any inflammations any infections with the gland of the breast I just deal with the shape I deal with the shape of the breast the shape of the nipple the shape of the areola I just deal with the aesthetics of the breast they deal with the gland the problems with the gland of the breast and the breast surgeon is a general surgeon who has gone through um, uh, general surgery training and then specialize in the breast and they look after that that uh, area so these problems you're getting with the ducts and the infections around the milk ducts and the fistulas that would be a breast surgeon who would deal with that when you say i want a lift and a small implant well ah then i'm then my uh, eyes ears brick eyes brick up ears brick up then i'm thinking oh, okay i can help with lifts and small implants that is my bag i, I can do that uh, nipple reduction i can do that couple of points just on those things a lift and a small implant i'm always a bit wary about doing a lift with a small implant because there's risks with doing a lift and combining it with implants so i'm like if you want to lift with a small implant maybe you could just have a lift if you just want a small implant do you want to increase your risks by adding an implant to that and the risks associated with implants just for a small one um so maybe you want to just think about having a lift but you'd have to be happy with the cup size that you are and the other thing you're doing a nipple reduction I'm assuming you mean a nipple reduction, the nipple being the bit in the middle of the of the, of the areola, the bit that sticks out. I would tend not to do a nipple reduction, i.e. making that nipple smaller at the time of a lift. If you mean an areola reduction, which is the brown bit, the circle, then that is routinely made smaller as part of a lift. But, um, but yeah, you would need to get your abscesses sorted out. Now, there are, oh, there are, oh, what's this? What's this on my plate on my bookshelf? Oh, hold on a minute. What's this? What? It's a book. Oh, God, it's a book all about what? A book all about how to choose a surgeon for your breast. What? Who's written that then? Oh, yeah, yours truly. That's who's written that. 
So um, I've written a book on how to choose a surgeon and it talks about breast surgeons and plastic surgeons. Now there are some breast surgeons that do cosmetic who do works for the aesthetics of it. So there are some breast surgeons who will just do the cancer uh, work and, and and then the reconstruction or the you know when you have a mastectomy and, and you have to have a new breast made then the, they would say to the plastic surgeon they, they would do the reconstruction and there are some breast surgeons who they call oncoplastic they call themselves and they will do the cancer work and the reconstruction so there are some breast surgeons who might be able to help you with your ducts and also might be able to help with your lifted implants so there might be so a breast surgeon might be able to help you with both but personally as a plastic surgeon i wouldn't do the um nipple um abscess issue i would leave that to the breast surgeon and i would be very happy to help with the ducts uh, sorry with the lifted implants but i would want it to be the, the ducts to be sorted first because if you get an infection when you've got a lift when you've got an implant in that's bad news so you um, probably would want to get your nipple sorted first. Um, 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 um. Right, oops, that makes so much sense. Where are you based? That makes sense, does it? Blimey. Um, I'm based in Birmingham, gastric. Oh, you don't mind me calling you gastric? Or Seeley, actually Seeley probably I would call you. Um, in Edgbaston in Birmingham. It's near the highways roundabout, pretty central in Birmingham and near the five-way train station as well so uh got a question here from kimberly kimberly would hydronitis suppurativa be a contraindication for a large breast reduction also is it possible to go from an l cup to a c cup or is there a restriction on how small i can go kimberly two great questions so hydronitis suppurativa is a problem um and it's in the um sweat glands and it affects different different areas usually armpits groins sometimes you can get especially in men around the back of the neck uh, and it's a very difficult problem to correct and it's a real uh, and it's it it, it uh, results in recurrent infections and it can be very hard to to, to treat and uh, these are a, a nasty condition and so I would say it's a relative contraindication, Kimberly. I would say it's not an absolute contraindication. So I would say that if your hydronitis is, again, goes back, common theme, we've got a theme going through tonight's show, goes back to the lady who was looking after her paralyzed husband. Now that, if the condition is sta static, then you can make a balanced decision. But if not, so if your hydronitis is sometimes bad, sometimes good, you know, you haven't really got control of it, you haven't really got the, um, whether you're on antibiotics or whether you're using um, local methods or whether there's surgery even or whatever it is, if you're if you're not really on top of the hydronitis and it's a bit up and down, I would say don't have surgery. Try and get your hydronitis sorted first. Try and get that stable first before considering surgery. So you want to, if you have got a doctor looking after your hydronitis, talk to them. If we, if you came and see or saw us, or if you saw a surgeon, your surgeon will probably want to talk to them as well and just say, look, is there anything we can do to maximize the condition before we consider doing surgery because we don't want to have any problems. Um, if you had active infection, so if you had active hydronitis uh, with an active infection, 
I would say you you were your surgery would be cancelled. You shouldn't have surgery. So if your infections come and go and you get booked in for surgery, it might be that whenever you come for surgery, you might be having a flare up. So that's something to be aware of, and we'd have to postpone your surgery. But if your hydradenitis is stable, if you have if it's far away from your breast, like for instance, if it's affecting your groin, then that's less of a thing. You know, if it's affecting your armpits, then we perhaps be a bit more uh, worried about it. But if it's stable, if it's quiet, so you don't have any discharging areas and um, it's it's not causing any drastic problems, then I would say that it might be possible to go ahead with the breast reduction, although you would have to accept you've got an increased risk of infection because at any time it could flare up and it could increase your risk of getting infection in your breast. So you'd have to be aware that you'd have an increased risk, but I don't think it's an absolute contraindication, but it's something you'd have to be aware of that it could cause potential problems. Is it possible to go from an L cup to a C cup? So um, L to a C, crikey. I don't know, Kimberly. I think possibly not. I'll be honest with you. Uh, L, I mean L. Actually, I'm going to revise that answer. No, it's not possible to go from an L. I mean L, that's quite big. So I don't think it's possible for an L, an L to a C. Um, well, if you ask, is it possible? I guess. If you really wanted to go really small, the way to do it, if you're very big and you want to go very small, probably the way to do it is a free nipple graft, which means taking the nipple off and then making the breast really small and then putting the nipple back on again as a graft. I, I don't personally, I don't particularly like that technique. Uh, there's always a lack of sensation in the nipple. There's always a lack of projection in the nipple and there could be problems with the pigment, pigment of the nipple. It is a technique for a massive breast reduction. So it, it might be something that you could consider. The other thing you've got to consider, Kimberly, is the shape of your breast and the shape of your, your chest, because you've got to make it a nice shape. And sometimes people say, I want to be as small as possible. I want to be a, you know, a C or whatever. And sometimes they say, well, actually, do you know what? A C on your frame. I don't, obviously, I don't know you at all. But if you've got an L breast now, a C might not look quite right. Um, so you're probably going to look at double D plus, I would think, going from an L. Um, but again, this is something we can discuss. But I think um you say there's a restriction on how small you can go there is a restriction when you're moving the nipple because it comes on a pedicle if you're taking the nipple off as a graft then that restriction is less but as i say you don't want to have it too flat sometimes you see people with over-resected breasts and they're flat they lack projection they've got the width but the person said i want to be as small as possible and if it lacks projection it doesn't have a nice shape i don't think you'd be happy personally i think um you have to have it a nice shape really um good question kimberly and she done well Seely, anything past the M25 is north. In that case, Seely, we're north. Yeah, we are a little bit past the M25. Not much, not much. And there's a train up there, an hour, Houston to New Street, and then five minutes from New Street. Um, Maria, I have a rupture, so we'll be having an on block soon. Very nervous and worry about how I will look after. It is a worry, Maria, but I think um, be positive. You might be surprised. And I think it's always good to just have, you know, uh, get rid of the problem and see what you look like. It might be OK. Be positive. It might be OK. I think. And the other thing, Maria, it will probably look worse when you first have it done. Not only will it be a shock because you've lost the volume, but it'll, it'll look worse and you might be. So don't don't panic because there might be some retraction of the tissues and, the, you know, obviously it'll be like empty skin when you first have it done but there might be some room for things to improve over time so don't uh, rush into any um rash 
feelings of unhappiness if it doesn't look right when you first have it done. Kimberly, mine mine's is on outer breast, if that helps. If, yeah, I also have a lot of scar tissue on the outer breast. If that's your hydrogenitis, Kimberly, if it's on your outer breast, that doesn't help. That's If it's in the same area that we're going to be operating, that's actually bad because it does increase your risk of infection. Uh, but if you're an L-cup, Kimberly, you might have problems with infections due to the difficulty in toileting such a large breast. So there might be an over super added problem there. So, you know, I believe that we need to have situations where we have guidance and guidelines, but we have to take people on a case by case basis. That's one of the problems I found in the NHS. They can have quite strict criteria. And actually, we won't be able to see patients in the clinic if they don't fulfill the criteria. And I understand it if you're trying to ration who, where you spend the money. I understand that. But, you know, when you've got your own practice, because you say, what BMI would you do a surgery? And would you do surgery on someone with a with a uh, hydroadenitis and things? I'm like, well, I talk to the patient and I'd say to them, you know, often in these cases, you say to them, look, you've got a high risk of complications. You know, if your BMI is high, if you've got hydroadenitis, you have no fact, you have got an increased risk of complications. You've got an increased risk of having problems, of having infection, of having problems with the wound, you know, and, and you are at an increased risk compared to, to others. But first of all, what are you going to do about it? Is there something you can do to reduce your risk? So if you can get your hydroidosis under control, if your weight is high and you can reduce it, if you smoke, Kimberly, if you smoke, forget it get surgery so if there's things you can do to reduce your risks by stopping smoking by getting your weight right and by doing anything locally in terms of your hydradenitis then i would say look do that first but if you've done all those things and you don't smoke and your weight's right and your hydradenitis is pretty well controlled you know you have to make a balanced decision on whether you're gonna actually do surgery or not and you have to and i would say that you have to have a decision with your surgeon you have to work with your surgeon and say, look, you know what, L shape, uh, L shaped, <laughs> L L uh, cup is a very uncomfortable. I would imagine a very uncomfortable cup to have, and it will be quite affecting your quality of life. And unfortunately, uh, once you've got your weight right, there's not a lot you can do apart from getting a well-fitting bra. I mean, it's always worth getting a well-fitting bra. But apart from getting a well-fitting bra, if you've got L shape. Oh, L cup, sorry, breasts. There's not an awful lot you can do apart from having a breast reduction to uh, make your symptoms better. Um, Cheryl, 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 because of COVID 19 lockdown, when are you allowed to do surgery again? Right, Cheryl. Well, when are we allowed to, Cheryl? We're allowed to now, basically. And I think. Um, and we are and people are doing surgery i'm starting next week in terms of my local anesthetic uh, operations now we are obviously we've got lots of precautions in place we're limiting the amount of time um that the surgery takes so there are lots of things we're doing to reduce the the risks but we're allowed to now now um i'm only doing surgery next week because i've got my own operating theater in my clinic where i can do local anesthetic cases the general anesthetic cases i rely on the hospitals and so whilst the hospitals are doing surgery and have been doing surgery throughout and they are now starting to do private uh, work again having ha having been doing nhs work they are doing it now 
but you can imagine there's a big backlog and a large portion of the time is still taken up by the NHS work at the private hospitals. So whilst we're allowed to do surgery now, we haven't actually got the accessibility to the theatres because it's still very much being used by the NHS. And, um, and so we can't actually get access to the theatres at the moment. We're trying to desperately uh, get into theatre. And um, but we we so we're allowed to now, but we can't get into theatre um, due to the NHS using the theatres for most of the time. But hopefully, I'm thinking August is is what I'm thinking. Hopefully, hi Jennifer, nice to see you. Nice, nice, nice for that. Thank you. Um, because I've done that one, Maria says thank you. What was that? The rupture on block. Go for it, Maria. Let's have a bit of PMA, hmm? positive mental attitude. You heard me. Kimberly's back at me. Um, oh gosh, not the answer I was hoping for. I've been told oh dear, by dermatologists there is no cure, but a reduction should help the HS, that's hydratinitis. But I don't qualify for it on NHS as my BMI is too high, even though they said I would be a perfect candidate. Thank you for so, for so much helping. It's a lot to think about. Not the answer. What was the answer you were hoping for, Kimberly? Um, yeah, there is no cure. Yeah, for hydradenitis, yeah, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I would probably fair to say there's no cure. I mean, you can excise the areas, but they're often too big, those areas, and you have to sort of end up skin grafting them. And then, you know, you you give one problem to another problem, and there's no question hydradenitis is a difficult problem. And I think the reduction probably would help it, Kimberly. But again, you would have to undertake the reduction with a risk of complications. And if your BMI is high as well, and I'm hoping you don't smoke, Kimberly, uh, if your BMI is high as well, then the BMI is something you can do something about it. And I'm not going to say it's easy because I know it's not easy to lose weight. But, you know, that is something that you that, that would make it reduce your risk of complications in terms of your um, breast reduction. Celie's sent me a DM. Nice. Looking forward to looking at that later, Celie. Um Cheryl, really, I need to book. Book on, Cheryl, get booking. Well, we've got a lot of people, but book on, Cheryl. We can't give you dates. We haven't given dates to people in, um, uh, Olivia says hi, hi, Olivia. In people who are having a GA, we can't give dates at the moment, Cheryl, but we are um, uh, canvassing the hospitals to try and get dates from them. And um, hopefully we'll be getting some dates because uh, we're keen to get get stuff done yeah get it done that's what it's all about so um i'm out of questions i believe i think i've had my last question that was my last dance can you help yeah abscesses were my last one so anyone got any questions i'm obviously a very busy person uh, and i've got lots to do but i think i've got another five hours nah, no um good actually i haven't had dinner yet so i better go and have my dinner i cooked it Okay, I have cooked dinner, but I've had to leave to do this because the clock in the kitchen was wrong and I thought it was five minutes slow. So I'm sorry if I was a bit late to this. But anyway, I'm here and uh, I've left the children to finish the cooking of the dinner. So God knows what happened there. And uh, so I better go and check on that. So um, I'll, I'll be honest, Twitter was a bit quiet. I'll be honest. But um, great summary. From jo I wish I could like that. Look at that, Jonathan Brito Clinic. That's one of the top, top London surgeon, that is. Great summary. Summary, thank you. Thank you, Jonathan. Your um, 
your positiveness is very much appreciated. Oh, hello. So that's what's that? A message coming in there. That's good, isn't it? So thank you all. Lovely to see you, Jonathan. Hope you're well. Uh, enjoy your dinner. Thank you. What have you cooked? I've cooked some kind of beef thing with um uh what's it called? It's not right. Couscous, that's it, couscous and courgettes. And oh sorry. And uh, yeah, that's what I cook. Good to know. We shall. We'll all be back soon. We'll be back soon. I hope so, Jonathan. I'm doing together second spike. Goodness me, God help us, Maria. I've been told August slash September for surgery, and I must tell Pierce yes, two weeks before and free surgery, and a COVID test one week before. Absolutely, Maria. Yeah, that's about the size of it, Maria. I think that's about right. So you've got to self-isolate two weeks before surgery uh, and uh, there'll be a COVID test one week before. I think all of us, we need to have uh, COVID tests every 10 days for the doctors. Um, and um, yeah, we're just just trying to, yeah, that's that's about the size of it, Maria. And you'll be asked to sign a consent form, Maria. We're all doing these COVID consent forms. And um and what have you yeah <laughs> oh this is this is confusing i've got i've got messages coming in right mariana has just joined i'm gonna wave back here i'm gonna wave, say hello and wave goodbye mariana because this is it i've got to go and get the courgette i've got to rescue the courgettes unless you've got a question mariana because i will answer it right here and now but um if not if not um okay. yes you can ask for my opinion okay i'm getting desperate facebook messages right um good thank you all so i'm going to sign off if that's okay and i'll see you next week tuesday seven o'clock right here by all means ask you a question just want to hear your voice god help you god help you mariana oh dear um it's not salad it's not salad it's a couscous with a beef and um and i was just roasting the courgettes before i not roasting um frying frying them yeah frying them on uh anyway um also saying yeah next week tuesday seven o'clock you know what you will have i don't think i've started doing surgery but that'll be the day before my clinic god will it have i got a clinic anyway it's exciting times i'm starting to do getting back into the surgery and have to wear on the face mask and all that anyway see you then tuesday seven o'clock um have a good evening as well, Olivia and Kimberly. And uh, stay safe. Yeah. Wear a face mask and all the other stuff that we're supposed to do. Wash your hands. And if you've got any questions, post them. If you want me to show your photos, I'll be very much appreciated because I think you I think you missed out there on Instagram. Some wicked photos on Facebook. Twitter, hmm, not sure what's going on Twitter, but we'll see how we get on. I've probably done it wrong. And I'll see you next week. Hasta la vista. Stopping the stream question not covered in today's show then send it over to info at styanoplasticsurgery.co.uk using the hashtag ask jj we'd love to hear from you